As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Killer Queens, a true crime podcast. Some material may be disturbing and we use adult language. Listener discretion is advised. If you love the show, be sure to hit subscribe so that you never miss new episodes. And if you want to support the show, please visit www.patreon.com slash killerqueenspod, where as little as $3 a month gets you early access to shows and amazing additional content. Now on to today's case. Number two. We're ready. Stop saying number two all the time. <laughs> it's just twice. Like twice that I've said it. Like number two times. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Let's launch right into it. <laughs> Part two, Shana Huber's. If this is your first time, don't start here. No, no, no. Don't Go back. you do it. Go back to the first part. Go back to part one. Number one. You want to do a number two? After number one. Yes. All right. <laughs> Now, we're to the trial. So, the prosecutor is Michelle Snodgrass. She is sassy. <laughs> I, I like love her. a sassy girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Shana's defense attorney is David Mejia. He's got an uphill battle here. I mean, you watch that video of her, like, police interview... And as David Mejia, you're like, you dumb bitch. Like, what are you thinking? What in the actual fuck are you thinking? <laughs> I mean, what am I supposed to do with this? You know, right, exactly. like you could have you asked for a lawyer and then you just talked and talked and talked and talked and talked like shut your mouth. Mm -hmm. But she didn't. So I feel bad for him a little bit. Shayna pleads not guilty January 16th. 2013. In what world? Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And then April the 13th, 2015 is when her murder trial begins. So she was held in jail the entire time because remember she couldn't right, get bail. bail hearing, yeah. She was a flight risk. And the well, some people say allegedly. Yes. Allegedly. She only said that she wanted to like jump out of an open window and bust stuff, out of yeah. there every chance she got. But Allegedly. Allegedly. So the prosecution's argument is going to be that Shayna learned about this date with Audrey Balti, and that was, she knew that this was going to be the final breakup, that this was going to be a permanent breakup. So 
because I guess the guns were so accessible, she picked one up and she shot him. And then David Mejia is going to say, no, 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 no. <laughs> she was abused. She was, she feared for her life. And so it was a kill or be killed situation. And she did what she had to do. Never mind anything after that. Nothing to see here. Don't think about that. <laughs> so now we talk about the crime scene. So remember in the police interview, Shayna was saying that he was coming at her and she, that's part of their defense again. You know, she, he's coming at her and so she's got to shoot him or whatever. Well, also in the interview, though, she talks about how she shot him the one time and then his face is on the table and he's twitching and then she shoots him again. So five, what happens... Five more times, correct? Because it's six total. Yes. So he falls from the chair that he was in to the floor. Okay. So let's now think about that in the context of the crime scene. The wall... He's right in front of a wall, his chair is. So the wall behind him... If he is getting ready to stand up and come, like, lunge at you, you would think that there would be blood spatter on the wall behind him. Right, because that's... Because that's... Where the bullet had gone into his face. So it would have exited, or at least blood spatter would have sprayed. Yeah, if he's upright and he's coming at you, and you fire shots off, you're going to have blood on the wall behind him at the... Le- approximate level that he's at, maybe an angle depending the on the trajectory. Sure. Yeah, sure. But when you look at the crime scene photos, Ryan's body is kind of almost not in a fetal position. His face is kind of down. His sh- one of his shoulders is kind of underneath him. Um, his knees are kind of tucked up a little bit, but all the blood is down by the baseboard there. It's either on the table or it's down on the wall by the baseboard. You don't see any blood up high. So what the prosecution says is, let's put that together here. So she's saying that he's a threat to her and that he, even though she shot him once and he sat back down and his face went down to the table, even though that happened, she said that she still feared for her life because he could still move. He could still get up and do things she thought And he was still coming at her, so she had to shoot him again. But if you look at that crime scene, you see that when he gets shot, he's already on the floor. She's shooting him from standing over him, and he's laying on the floor. So that's not adding up. Um, She also talks about the, the struggle that they had, that he's throwing her around the room that he's throwing her into. She talks about throwing him throwing her into the bookcase, um, him throwing her onto the couch. They're fighting for the gun across this table. So when you, again, look at the crime scene photos, Ryan had stuff everywhere. And it was like the, the clutter of his apartment wasn't the clutter of a struggle that occurred and things got knocked over. When you look at that bookcase, there's bullets standing up 
none of them are knocked over. They're all in a row. Everything's still perfectly in a line. There's there's other things on that bookcase that are not knocked over. There's medication bottles on the table. There's all kinds of things on the table. Again, none of it's knocked over. None of it appears to have been moved in any way. Like it, and all that stuff is super easy to knock over. <laughs> like very easy to knock over. I mean, you could probably stomp hard enough and like some stuff kind of knock over on a shelf. You know what I mean? Right. So it's it's just not adding up. If there was really this big struggle, a life or death struggle, and she also doesn't have any marks on her body whatsoever. Not a scratch, not nothing, not even defensive wounds. Mm -hmm. So it would seem that she walked right over and just shot him. Exactly. Um, We talked about how the neighbors didn't hear any kind of a fight. Except for the gunshots. Yeah, Yeah. so she's talking about, you know, this big struggle and all that kind of thing. They interviewed the neighbors and asked them, and they described the shots as bang, bang, and then bang, 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 bang. So that's six altogether. There was two, a break, and then four. So again, at no point did they hear yelling. And then Shayna actually tells the detective that at one point, Ryan locked himself in his room and that she Googled how to unlock a door and unlocked his bedroom door with a bobby pin. This night. Oh, my gosh. So. He could have not tried any harder. No. To, to get away from get her. Get away from her. Exactly. So if. If she is. If he's the aggressor in this situation. Why is he locking himself in a room? And you're breaking into that room. If you're so very deathly afraid of this man. Right. If he's gone and locked himself in a room. That's your chance to get the fuck out of there. Yeah. But She takes the time to Google how to unlock his door with a bobby pin, and then she does it. Like, this bitch. Yeah. I cannot even with her. There are holes in her entire story. Then they also talk about whether or not this was premeditation. There's a couple things that they bring up to showcase premeditation. One of them was the fact that she had to release the safety to shoot him. So Shayna had gone to the shooting range with Ryan at at least a few times during the course of their relationship. And they actually, in the 2020 episode, they talked to his ex-girlfriend that he was with for a couple of years. And she said that he took her to the shooting range too, because he he owned a lot of guns. And so he told her like, I want you to be, I want you to know how to operate these and how to shoot these. So to be that, safe, right? yeah, to be safe and to understand how powerful they are so that you don't accidentally pick one up and like injure yourself or, you know, do something by accident. He wanted her to like know how to be safe with them. So I'm assuming that was the same reason he took Shayna. I don't know that, but I know that they went together And so Shayna has some practice shooting and she had some practice using these weapons, at least some of them. So she had to actually release the safety to shoot him because the safety was on. So the prosecution is using that to say, 
you know, she knew that she was going to shoot him. She had to release the safety and there was at least that moment of premeditation in that. Yeah, it could have been, it could have been hesitation. It, It was a choice. You took that moment to make a choice and the choice she made was to shoot him in the face. So to them, that's premeditation. And, and, and <clears throat> we probably will get into this later. I don't know, whatever. For her to shoot him in the face is so personal because if she thought that he was super vain and super into his looks. Yeah. You know, like right. for her to choose to shoot him there was a very, to me, a very big um, and personal decision. Well, and it's just like, I don't know. She had some pretty fucking good aim. Mm-hmm. Like, because she said... How far away was she? Well, that's that's another thing, too. So, they said that um, there were traces of Ryan's blood in and on the gun. So, she was very close to him when she shot him. So... I mean, I guess it's not like she was across the room and shot him in the face, but... Yeah, she's not like a sniper. Yeah, I guess that's true. Because she said... Um, I just don't want you to give her too much credit. That's yeah, right. I don't want to either. You're right. So, probably didn't have that great of aim. Because what I was though. thinking was... I don't know. I actually have done pretty good when I've gone shooting. Oh, never mind. Um, just based on seeing you try to throw any ball. <laughs> just Yeah, for some reason with a gun, I can handle it. Um... <laughs> Because she says after she shot him and he started twitching and then she wanted to make sure that she basically finished him off, she said that she shot him in the head because she wanted to shoot him somewhere where she knew that he would die, that he wouldn't suffer anymore. And Mm -hmm. I was like, dang, how did you like, aren't those harder shots? But yeah, she just, she was just super close. That's all there was to that. The other thing that the prosecution brings up to show premeditation or at least the desire to kill Ryan before this was 11 days before the murder, she sent a text to one of her friends and said that she was going to the shooting range with him that night. And she texted her friend and said, Ryan doesn't love or care. He's an evil person. And then she said, when we go to the shooting range tonight, I want to turn around and shoot him and kill him and play like it's an accident. What? Yeah. And then her friend on the stand was like, I wish I had paid more attention to that text. And I'm like, that's pretty fucking bad. Like, that's really fucking bad. That's really bad. She and then she did it. I mean, that's the thing, yeah. Again, it's like I don't know these people. They're you know. Do you ever think that anybody you know is capable of something like that? I don't know, but that's pretty concerning. Like, I feel like I would at least tell the person who could be in danger that they said that. Yeah, like, hey, you need to watch out. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I just don't. I don't know anybody personally that makes jokes like that. So, I know, yeah, it, yeah, because it's like I'm not a hundred percent sure that I would like go to the police with something like that because if it's somebody, I mean, if I if I said that none of my friends who are married ever made a joke like I'm gonna kill my husband one of these days, you know, like I feel like married people say that every day. Like 
I could just kill him, you know? Like, that happens all the time. Like, but, but that shoot is... Shoot him and make it look like an accident. Like, that. that's When we go specific. to the shooting range or I'm going to have a gun in my hand, I want to turn around and shoot him and pretend like it's an accident. Well, and if this is a good friend of hers, she probably knows the dramatic saga that is Ryan and Shayna's relationship, you know, where it's like on again, off again, on again, off again, and... She right. probably told her a bunch of stuff that maybe she says Ryan did or whatever, but it's like that, that her saying she wanted to kill him by itself. If it was just that might've been like, Oh, let's brush this off and laugh about it. But the way that she said it mm, paired with everything that she's probably already said before that. And I don't know what she said to her friend, but still it's like, it's a little too yeah weird too much. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's a lot. So That tells you, at the very least, that she had the desire or or the, I don't know, I I mean, premeditation is forming the intent. Is that her, I mean, she's talking about it, she's talking about murdering him, making it look like an accident. What she ended up going with was murdering him and trying to make it look like self-defense. She fucked up because she didn't knock anything over. And she didn't have any bruises on her. Like, that's pretty difficult. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I think that I think that she was starting to get really angry. I think that she was starting to lose her marbles. But I don't know. I don't think she went over there that night to kill him. I think when she found out, I think he. they probably, they. it didn't even sound like they got in a big argument. No. And maybe that was part of the reason that she got so scared. Maybe this time he wasn't even fighting with her. And she was like, oh, shit, he really doesn't care. Like, he's telling me now, like, get your shit out. I told you I wasn't going to see you tonight. And I've got a date. And when she heard that he had a date and he didn't even care to have the energy to yell at her, she just picked up the gun and started shooting. Yeah, like the gravity of all that set in where it's like, oh, shit. This is it. I've lost my grip. Mm-hmm. Which was a slippery slope anyway. Could be. What she needed to do was go home, put on some Avril Lavigne. What the, there was a song called Losing My Grip. And mm-hmm. just, like, mm-hmm. listen to that. That's what she needed to do. Yep. For sure. This is why we get bad reviews <laughs> for that comment right there. <laughs> We have really bad taste in breakup music, guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> just, that's one of our toxic traits, I think. We listen to Avril Lavigne. <laughs> I love Avril. I do, too. And that's where we went wrong. That's where we went wrong. The defense, David Mejia, bless his sweet little heart, who has this, you know, uphill battle that he has to climb. He needs to... He needs to show that Ryan has rage issues. So one of the things that the defense wants to talk about is the fact that, and Shayna brought this up too, that he, that Ryan was on a lot of medication. So, and she said that she thought he was abusing this medication or whatever. Um, and it wasn't, it's, I mean, it, that makes it sound like he was on like hardcore stuff. And I don't know, maybe this stuff kind of is, but he was taking, he had been di- uh, prescribed Adderall, Xanax, and Ambien. So what he had told his friend Allie in a message was that because of the stress of like the lawsuit that he was going through, 
he said that he was just struggling. And so he said, basically, I'm taking Xanax to wake up. And I'm sorry. (laughs) That's not possible. That's not going to (laughs) work. He he said, I'm taking Adderall to wake up and Xanax to fall asleep. So I don't love that combo. I don't know if that. Yeah is good or bad but I don't know I don't either I feel like that's kind of like remember that Cat Williams thing where he talks about people putting like Red Bull in their like whatever drink and he's like you like fall asleep you're like trying to pass out but then you're like got too much energy and you're like popping up kind of that tastes unleaded (laughs) yeah (laughs) like yeah however he does it is much funnier than what I just did but um but it reminds me of that so yeah it seems like a I mean it's up or downer combination like right there I yeah I don't know how that works it's it seems pretty bad but he also said in a, a message to her that he said from what I can tell the stuff they put me on fills me with rage oh no so that that doesn't I don't think look good for Shayna's comment, but at the same time, none of his, none of his comments about rage or anything like that were ever directed towards Shayna. So he also had sent a message to one of his friends about his ex-partner that was suing him. And in one of the messages, he said, I want this piece of shit destroyed And in another message, and I do not have it in front of me, so I'm going to fuck it up. I'm so sorry. But it says something like, I want to throw darts at his head. I want to bury him in the sand and wait for the tide to come in and watch him drown or something like that. Oh, my. I'm not exaggerating it. I'm just kind of messing it up. But he definitely says stuff like that. So... It, I mean, it's he's pretty fucking angry at this guy. So I don't think that anybody can say that he never said a bad word about anybody or anything like that. But they bring that up in the trial, and they actually have one of the detectives read that Facebook message about that. And so David Mejia is like, what does that tell you about Ryan? And he's like, well, it tells me that he's pretty angry at this guy that he went through a lawsuit with. Like, that doesn't tell me that he has any hatred towards Shayna. And what the defense is trying to show is that he's capable of the abuse that Shayna is alleging because he obviously does have a violent side to him. At the same time, though, and I can understand the connection that they're trying to make, but I don't think that... If Ryan was frustrated or whatever or said something to Shayna, that it wasn't valid because that bitch wouldn't stop. Like, yeah, when you get pushed into a corner and you've tried every other option and you've tried to be nice, mm-hmm. what are you supposed to do after the 200,000th text message in one day? You know, like, I mean, that's look, harassment. Stopped. Yeah. Yeah. That's harassment. Like, yeah. And the fact that he locked himself in his bedroom. Like, that was him restraining himself from doing something bad. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is provocation. Like, there are laws that say, look, you poked a bear, basically. Mm -hmm. Like, because that isn't one of them. It may vary state to state. um, But I do remember reading about a law that was like, that, maybe not a law, but it was like, one thing that is a decree <laughs> that's considered like a provocation is pointing in somebody's face, like mm. getting in their face. 
And they're like, if somebody hits you when you do that, then that's like you're too bad, basically. It's a decree. It's a decree. Yeah. I don't know. But she definitely was, she's badgering him. She's following him in. I mean, she's essentially breaking into his house, even though she has a key. Like, she's not welcome there. She's not been invited. She shows up anyway, and then she breaks into his bedroom. Like, he's trying to get away from her. He literally could not done have done anything more to try to get away from her and not escalate that argument. It just pisses me off. Well, yeah. So, yeah. So they're trying to show that he's got a violent side. So he could have done something like that. At the same time, though, we have Shayna's message to her friend saying, I'm going to turn around and shoot him and kill him and make it look like an accident. Well, what's your what's your explanation for that? Because that's incredibly personal. I mean, that's not just like him, her popping off about somebody who cut her off in the street and they're like, well, look, look, she's capable of doing this. Obviously, she killed him. She literally basically threatened him to a friend of hers or her confessed. I don't know. You could say whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, she basically predicted that he was going to be shot to death 11 days before he was shot to death by her. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are the fucking odds? Then we meet some former cellmates of Shayna's. So she had, while she was in jail before the trial, uh, okay, so we know she can't keep her fucking mouth shut because in the police interview, she couldn't shut up. While in jail, she was the same way. There were several women that she shared cells with that testified against her saying that she made up the abuse of that she alleged that Ryan was doing. She said that she was the aggressor in the fight, that she was the aggressor in the relationship. She said that she would throw furniture around to make it look like a fight and try to turn people against him. So she would try to make it look like, you know, like what she would do, I think, with that Nikki Carnes, the neighbor. You know, they'd hear a fight or whatever. And and I think it is kind of typical to just assume that if two people are fighting that the man is being aggressive because if you hear, you know, if you hear something, you're just like, okay, well, I hope she's okay. Or I don't know. I, I just right. feel like it's kind of a natural thing to do. You immediately kind of think, does she need help kind of thing? Yeah. I mean, that's not to say, that's not assigning any blame or anything, but that's. No, I think yeah. it's just kind of, I think that's kind of where people naturally go at first without, if they don't know anything. It's like, if you don't hear the actual words of the fight and you hear people fighting, I think that, I mean, it's, it's this way with our kids. Like if I tell our kids to stop doing something and if Andrew tells our kids to stop doing something, he's the one that gets the attention because that, that voice is just, it's deeper, it's stronger. Like it's just a little bit more, I don't want to say threatening, but you know what I mean? Like it's business time. It's business time. Yeah. So Nikki, she, if she doesn't know, if she can't hear the fight well enough to hear the words that are being spoken and to hear the actual detail and she doesn't have the context, the only context she gets is Shayna's. So she's hearing everything from Shayna's point of view. And let's not forget, Shayna is the same person who told Ryan that she spent all day at the doctor getting medication for this health condition when she was shopping with her mom. That's the hell person she is. That's the hell person she's it. She 
damn it. <laughs> She's a known liar. Yes. Is what I'm saying. Okay. So, um, if you, do, if you're not getting all the right information and you hear a fight, you, you may think, wow, he is really abusive to her. She's coming downstairs crying, which Shana used as a manipulation tool. Mm-hmm. And she's coming, or down, I don't know where Nikki lived, downstairs, upstairs, whatever. She's coming over to my house. She's crying. I've heard them fighting. I heard him yelling at her. I could mm-hmm. hear that. And she's saying that he's, he's saying to me, you need to lose weight. You need to get plastic surgery. You're ugly. You're fat. These are things that she would tell Nikki that Ryan said to her. Meanwhile, Ryan is too afraid to hurt her feelings. To break up with her. To break, break it off up with her. With her. So, yeah, I'm not sure that he is capable or would do something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure that he was speaking to her in that way. Right. Um, he, you know, finally would say stuff like, I don't have the patience to deal with this. Please stop texting me. Which is a very mature way of yeah. relaying that message. You yeah, know? for sure. Because he could have gone a whole different direction with that. Yeah. And, I mean, like you said, and it's no secret that Shayna was really good at manipulating a situation. So mm-hmm. why stop at crying? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see her being one of those people that puts marks on herself. And actually the jail or the cellmates, one of them did say that she, she said she would do that. Well, and that's what, when you said about her going to Nikki's apartment or whatever that first time, or when when we discussed it and she had marks on her arms, I was thinking to myself, I was like, Steve, wouldn't Shayna... That's what it couldn't myself. she? Yeah, couldn't she do that to herself? I mean, I've seen the movie Liar Liar. That guy beat the hell out of himself in the bathroom. He sure did. Don't That's JC. the movie I was thinking about. Really? Yeah, because I, I remember there was a scene where a guy was like hitting himself or whatever, like beating himself up, and I'm like, what was that? It was that. The pen is blue. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, you definitely can make things look either worse than they are or whatever way you want to. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have the context. Every so, which way. Yeah. Every which way. So we get that and we get that story from several people. I don't normally like, you know, jailhouse informant type stuff, but she also told one of these women that she was going to plead temporary insanity, but she was too smart. She said she she was like Einstein level IQ, so that wasn't going to work. So she was going to go with the battered wife type thing because she thought she had a better shot with that. So, and she did say that she knew about the date. So, and that's what the prosecution was saying was her motive. Like, yeah, this was the end for her. Um, so that's what set her off that time when you. Talk about the the crime scene, and we we already talked about this a little bit, but the defense really went with, even though he went down because he was still twitching, he was still moving, and he still posed a threat. That was still a threat to her, because in her mind, she didn't know what was going to happen, and in her mind, it was still possible that he could hurt her. So now we're back with the Jody Arias thing, mm-hmm. except I'm sure Ryan's he wasn't too badly decomposed to see with the oh right autopsy, yeah right oh my god that that bitch that's so horrible like if you guys haven't listened to Jody Arias case the uh the defense oh my god the defense um tries to allege that 
Because Jody shot Travis in the head, which means the bullet lodged in his brain. It didn't exit, so lodged in his brain. But his body was so badly decomposed by the time they got to him that you couldn't see that anymore. And so the defense was like, well, so what they were saying was the prosecution was saying, you shot him in the head, you dropped him. He's not a threat to you anymore. Why did you then go and stab him? What, like 30 times yeah, or whatever? It was ridiculous. And um, the defense is like, well, with the coroner on the stand, but you don't know that, that the bullet lodged in his brain. You don't know that the bullet went through his brain. He's like, well, it entered his skull in the front of his head. So it would have had to have gone through yeah, his brain. There's nowhere else for it to go. But they were like, you can't prove that. Yeah. And he's like, I mean, I don't have it. I don't have a, I don't have it there because of the state of decomposition, but that's where the bullet had to go. Like it went there. We know it went there. And she's like, but you don't, you can't prove that though. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? This is what you're trying to do. Like it's not, there's no way to dispute that he would have been incapacitated at that point. Like there's no way to dispute it. But she really, I was like, you put your energy somewhere else. Mm -hmm. This is asinine. It was ridiculous. It was. So yeah, this is kind of, I mean, it's, it really is so similar. Like, because they're saying if he, if all he's doing is twitching and moaning, that's horrible. He's not a threat to you anymore. And he wasn't to begin with. But if this is your defense, he's not a threat anymore. And he was sitting down. And the prosecution brought in a, a blood expert and they said that the first shot was to the right side of his head and there was no blood on his shirt. And if he were upright after that, the blood would have run down and gotten on his shirt. So he was already, he was down at that point. Like, and the way that she said was that, you know, his head hit the table. So at no point after that was he up and lunging for her no because he would have he would have bled and it would have shown absolutely and that didn't happen yeah Shayna's mom is fucking delusional I mean I just have to say it like I don't know again I don't know how I would feel I don't know what situation I would be in if one of my children stood accused of murder um Shayna's mom I think has a very unnatural relationship with her and one of the not unnatural and like, you'll see what I mean. So like in the interview that I saw of her, I believe this was in the 48 hours. She was just like, in every way she's been brilliant. It's been horrible. She grew up in the church. <laughs> she's not a murderer. She's far from evil. Shana has a heart of gold. She's like her mommy, a loving spirit. That's what I want the world to know. That child has been a blessing to me. She's my whole life. My life didn't happen until Shana was born. I think that she just, her entire life revolved around her. And there was not any way, shape, or form that her mom is ever going to believe that she's done anything wrong. And she does not, like... Well, that's... Uh, I don't know. That, to me, all by itself, because I don't have children, but I love my nephews so much, and they literally, like, hung the moon for me. But 
they everyone makes mistakes you know what I mean like right that's where you go wrong when you think that somebody is so perfect and you overlook or just are in such denial yeah and I also think that because at some point after all of this Shayna got diagnosed with borderline personality disorder I think and I think that Shayna very obviously has had mental issues before this happened and there's no way there is irrefutable evidence that you can show to Shayna's mom that says your daughter was stalking Ryan. She was obsessing over him. She was harassing him. She was showing up to his work uninvited and refusing to leave. She broke into his bedroom and followed like, you know, shot him six times. I mean, what do you, she even knows that Shayna was sitting there practically feigning a heart attack just to get Ryan's sympathy pretty much. And then, and then got her mom's attention. She drove 80 miles at three in the morning to go pick her up. Like and Shayna's like, no, I'm good. Yeah. It just, it, it just seems strange. And then Shayna actually called her mom before she called 911. So after she shoots Ryan and kills him, she calls her mom and she's like, oh my God, mom, I just killed Ryan in self-defense. And she's like, what? And so she's like, what happened? And she, you know, tells her we got in a fight and whatever. And she's like, well, you need to call 911 and you need to tell them exactly what happened. Tell them exactly what you told me. So she ended up calling 911 after that, but she called her mom first and it's, I don't know. It's just the way that her mom talks about her and just how completely she refuses to see any of the evidence that says your daughter needs help. At the very least, she needs some help. And I do think that she needs to be put in. I mean, at least they did a psychological evaluation. And I hope that she's getting treatment for that. The last interview I saw doesn't seem like she's doing much better. But I think that she needs to get help for that. And where I think, I think that there have been signs of this for a long time. I mean, her friend would talk about how overly dramatic she was about boy trouble and stuff like that. I mean, I know it's hard to think about. And maybe just because you and I go to therapy, maybe we're just more open to it. I don't know. But I think that she... I wish that her mom would have seen some of these signs or realized what they were. And if she hadn't been in such denial, could have gotten her the mental help that she right. needed. Encouraged at the very least. Yeah. yeah. Because th this didn't just start in October of 2012. Mm -mm. This had been going on for a long time. I mean, it, it definitely was going like on for 18 school. months. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I think her mom is just absolutely delusional. And just refused to see any of the facts. Shayna did not take the stand in her own defense. I think that was a good move. Yeah, that's probably the best thing that they could have done. Yeah. Even though they the damage had already been done. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if if she had taken the stand and she had expressed remorse at this point, that probably would have gone a long way for the jury because... What they have to work with, the only words they have of hers are going to be the text messages or Facebook messages or whatever. And, of course, that long police interview where she's where like, she's, I did it. I did it. Yeah. And saying shit like I gave him the nose job he wanted. He was a vain person. So 
if, but I don't think she would have gotten up there and expressed remorse. So if she had, that may have helped. They may have been like, wow, maybe she was just in shock at that point. And now she really seems to understand the gravity of what she's done. And she seems really sorry for it, but, um, she didn't do that. So, and probably what would have happened is Shana would have got up there and made a fucking fool of herself. So it's probably the best thing. Um, the jury spent five hours deliberating and they found her guilty. And in Kentucky, the jury also recommends the sentence. So the defense attorney asked for 20 years because he was like, you have to believe in reformation and you have to believe in like, you know, that people can change and all this stuff. And the prosecution asked for life in prison and they kind of came somewhere in the middle with the 40 years. Um, they, in the, I think it was the 2020, they did talk to one of the jurors and she was like, at no point were we buying self-defense. Like it just didn't add up. And, you know, but they said, you know, we decided with the 40 year sentence, by the time she got parole or whatever, you know, she could still be young enough to, to do some good in the world if she was going to. So they wanted to give her that chance. At her sentencing hearing, her defense attorney is like, look, I I get that she killed him, and that's awful, but she was a victim of domestic abuse, and you should really take that into account, and if she, if she was found, or if the judge, like, acknowledged that she was a victim of domestic abuse, she'd only be required to serve 20% of her sentence before she's eligible for parole. That would have been eight years. To prove domestic abuse, they had to prove that they lived together. Now, in the interview and on the call, she, the 911 call, she was asked if that was her home as well. And she said, no, it's Ryan's. So she tells them, no, we don't live together. So now, after the fact, they're trying to prove that they did live together because she's <laughs> saying, well, I had a key and I did stay over there a lot and I would, you know, like do laundry and shit. And they were like, okay, but you didn't live together. And then the prosecutor was like, this is at the sentencing hearing. The prosecutor is like, well, in 2012, in addition to you being with Ryan, you slept with 10 other men that year. Whoa. And she's like, um, if even if I did sleep with 10 other men, I don't see how that's relevant here. And she's like, well, I think that shows that you're not in an exclusive relationship with him and that you don't live together. And this was not like a domestic violence or domestic abuse the way that it would fit the criteria there. Right. So the judge determined that they did not live together. I was not aware. Was this like she, 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 or when they were on and off? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you girl, but like, I wasn't expecting that. I know. Yeah. Because it seemed like she was so fucking obsessed with him that yeah, it was like him Only or had nothing, eyes for him. But Yeah, exactly. I don't think so. I think she was just, okay. You know, She's just doing doing whatever she want to do. Yeah. So in the sentencing hearing, she's like, look, judge, it, Ryan didn't beat on me every day. OK, but he did put hands on me a handful of times. So he was abusive to me, basically, like just because he didn't beat me every day doesn't mean that he wasn't abusive. Now, that that's, that's true. true. That's absolutely true. That is true. Not in her case. 
but it is true. Like the only time that anybody can prove that he put hands on her was when he, he had to physically remove her from his house because he begged her over and over and over to leave and she wouldn't do it. Yeah. So respect boundaries. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not saying that it's ever okay. And that, it's you ever get to a point where it's okay to hit a woman or anything like that or or a spouse or a a partner it doesn't man or woman you shouldn't you shouldn't do that yeah violence is not where yeah. you should go but i think there are times in their relationship that he felt like he didn't have anywhere to go because he didn't meet any of the criteria to file a restraining order and he kept asking her to go away and she wouldn't fucking do it and then she'd just show up at his house and be like well i'm not leaving and he even left his house before like And let her stay there so that he could, you know, he could go on about his business or whatever. But, I mean, there are going to be times when that frustration is going to be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So, I think that how frustrated he must have been, he probably handled it the best that he could. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, she ended up getting sentenced to 40 years. And he, he did the thing. I feel like all judges or like, this is the worst crime I've ever seen the whole time I've, you know, been here. So he gave her, you know, his whole spiel. He was not, he did not have no sympathy for Shayna Hubers. He did not feel like she was abused in any way. He did not feel like she just did what she had to do. He felt like that was, it was a cold, calculated murder, and that she was just making up whatever she could to get out of it. This is so frustrating. The prosecutor is like, you, you've never shown any remorse. Like you've never, out of all the things that you've ever said, you've never said, I'm sorry. And she's like, well, I mean, I am sorry. I'm sorry to my friends and my family for letting them down. And I'm sorry that I didn't get away from Ryan before October the 12th, 2012. Like that's what I'm sorry for. I don't like that. No. And she she just, like, that's her biggest mistake. Her biggest mistake is that, not that she murdered somebody, but that she didn't break up with him before that, I guess. And, and she, that her friends and family can't enjoy the wonder that is Shayna. Yeah. And she doesn't even say, like, even if she felt like she was justified in killing him, she doesn't even say, like, you know, I'm sorry to his family that, he's not there with them anymore like none of that she's just like sorry for me and and that's what that's why I chose part of the interview clip where she's like you know this is just this is just really traumatic for me to have gone through this this experience is traumatic for me like it's just it's always comes back to her. It's always about her. And she talks about her, you know, potential and what she could do with her life if she gets out and all this kind of stuff. So it's just it's so very Jody Arias. You know, Jody coming in with a survivor t shirt. Oh my, my god. Um, she appealed her case in 2016 and her conviction was actually overturned because one of the jury members of the first trial withheld a felony conviction. Mm. So her new trial was in September of 2017 or it was scheduled to begin in September of 2017. It actually got delayed to January, 2018. And 
she was ended up being convicted in that case as well. In the second trial, they actually brought a little more information in about Ryan and Shayna's relationship. So they kind of went into a lot of detail about their sex life. And they said that, I think that Shayna was trying to use this as showing that Ryan was emotionally abusive or whatever, and they would kind of go into texts that described, like, sexual acts and stuff. And one of the texts said that they were going to, they had both agreed to bring another woman into the mix. Yeah. But the conditions of that were that Ryan had to put 10 photos up of Shayna back on Facebook. (laughs) Okay. Show her more affection and communicate more. And she admitted in this trial. And then I'll have a threesome with you. Exactly. Like, yeah. So, and again, that's like, that's her using manipulation to stay in the relationship. He's like, I don't want to be with you anymore. And she's like, okay, well, what if we bring another woman in the mix? And mm-hmm. he's like, oh, that sounds kind of good. I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> now I, we're talking. Yeah, I'm a, I'll give it a shot. Like, that's fine <laughs> with me. And she's like, okay, but you got to put 10 pictures of us back up on Facebook so that it looks like we're together. Like, yes. that's just crazy. That is. Um, she testified or she admitted that she lied to him about the other men that she was seeing. Um, she testified that she would log into his Facebook and block other women. Oh gosh. And she, and she just talked about in this trial, she talked about him being rough with her sexually and stuff like that. I don't know. This is, you could look at that two different ways. I think like this was never brought up any time before. Either the first defense attorney didn't bring it up because he didn't do enough digging or whatever. He didn't set up a good enough case or this was something they decided to bring in and just try to use as a tactic. I don't know. But no matter what, all of these things that she tried to bring up and build a stronger case and all of these things, it didn't work. So she ended up being convicted again so the jury came back with a guilty verdict and this time she got sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole oh with the possibility of parole sorry so this actually did not work out well for her yeah she should have yeah the brakes yeah her conviction was overturned but it yeah it didn't work out so she was Uh, 27 at the time that she was resentenced and reconvicted. And it says that she must serve 20% before she's eligible for parole. Um, So, and I think they base that from what I understand, they base that on a hundred years, I guess. So she has to serve 14 more years because she had already been in six years at that point. So she should be eligible eligible for parole in 2032, which to me is like not that far away. We'll put the photo up of her mug shot because <laughs> it is a gym. It's the worst. Um, but yeah, so and of course, you know, if you know anybody in in a relationship that is abusive, 
there's, you know, America has a domestic violence hotline. There's definitely places that you can reach out if you are involved in a domestic abuse situation, you know, definitely reach out and get help. There are other ways to get out than, than murder. So, you know, do, do what you need to do to protect yourself. Absolutely. But, you know, there are, there are ways that people can help. Um, and I think this case just really shows that, that there are people that are going to cry wolf. And it's sad because this is the exact thing I feel like that gives women who are reaching out a more of a hurdle to jump through to be believed, mm-hmm. you know, because there are so many people who, who fake it. And it's, and it, it's also just disrespectful to Ryan and his family who now like his sister gave this really moving impact statement. And she talked about, you know, that there's always going to be a chair at the dinner table that's going to be empty and nothing can ever fill that void. Like they all loved him so much and, you know, they've got to go the rest of their life without him there and they don't ever get to see him get married and have babies. And they, you know, they never get to be ants to his babies. You know, it's just like, it's just awful. It is. And senseless. So, yeah, absolutely senseless. She could have just fucking broken up with him and moved on. Like, I just do not understand. She's a nut job. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's the, the case. case. <gasps> Jinx. Yeah. It's so sad. Rough stuff. Yes. Well, thank you for listening, and we will catch you on the next episode. See ya. Bye. Bye. Get in on the conversation on Facebook and Instagram at Killer Queens Podcast and join our Facebook discussion group at Killer Queens Podcast where we discuss cases covered on the show and all things 90s. If you want to submit a case to be covered on the show, visit www.killerqueenspodcast.com slash case submission and complete the form. If we cover the case, we'll even give you a shout out on the show. Killer Queens is researched, mixed, and mastered by our own damn selves. The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. And our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Lilas! As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. 
Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. 